In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! And we are debuting our new format on the show today. And it's all about you. For the next 35 minutes, we're answering your questions about retirement, investments, and your money. The Get Ready for the Future show starts right now. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. I'm Scott Inman. Welcome in. Janet Walker with me today as we debut our new format on the Get Ready for the Future show. Most of what you are used to getting, which is straight talk about your investments, retirement, and money, is still going to stay right where it has always been for several years on this show. But we're doing it in a different way. We have decided to start taking your questions and give those answers out on the air. And here's how we're going to do it. We've got a couple of questions queued up today for today's show, but that doesn't mean you can't get involved. We want to ask or want you to ask your questions, and you can get them to us by calling in or texting them at 501-381-5228. You're going to hear that number a lot today and on the uh, shows moving forward. 501-381-5228. Whatever's on your mind about finance, about money, about the economy, about the markets, we're ready to answer those questions uh, on the Get Ready for the Future show. And you may notice there's just two of us here today. (laughs) And you may notice the new set. If you are watching on the live stream or watching on the uh, video uh, replay, uh, John hasn't gone anywhere. No. John is still here at Wealth, but he will be rotating a little bit with the, with the two of us on the Get Ready for the Future show. So, Scott, you are, you're the anchor, so you'll be here every week. Yeah. And then this seat that I'm in, it just changes, and sometimes it's John, sometimes it's Janet, and uh, you listeners just kind of get what you get, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, i got to tell you, Scott, I'm really excited to go to this question format. I love that we're calling it a new format mm-hmm. because originally, like on the very first show, this is really kind of how we started we had topics to talk about but callers were calling in and asking us questions and we always love to hear from our listeners and really what's on your mind and to respond to that so that we know we're hitting a topic that matters to you because it comes from you so uh, as you've invited our listeners Scott I'll, I'll, I'll echo that if you have a question about retirement investments your money please text us let us know what your question is we'd love to get it on the air for you. The number again is 501-381-5228. So really, rather than a new format, it's a throwback, right? That's it's right. A throwback it, to the OG is. Get Ready for the Future show. That's which, right. Which was live, right? You guys yeah. did it on, and yeah. many people who listen on radio may not realize that we're not live, right? Because we have so many platforms that we do it on. We live stream on Wednesday mornings at 1130, and then that video gets uh, replayed or it's accessed uh, online, and then that the audio from that uh, becomes the radio show, becomes the podcast. So there's uh, so many platforms that we have to hit that it's become a, a little bit prohibitive for us to do the live call-in right. questions. So this is kind of the new way to be able to do that. So 501-381-5228 to have your questions answered on the air. And you know, there be a little bit of a process in that. If you submit those, it may be that we can turn them around real quickly, but it's more than likely going to be in the coming weeks. So you'll have to listen week to week to the podcast or wherever you catch us on the Get Ready for the Future show to hear 
uh, our responses. do want to take just a minute and uh, really say thanks to our marketing team because obviously yeah. with the new format, there was a lot of changes that took place. Uh, one of those was redesigning our set. You'll see some familiarity uh, if you're watching the video version of the Get Ready for the Future show with that clock behind us. But we have some uh, a fresh coat of paint. The wall looks a little bit different. New, yeah. A new set here yeah. debuting as well. I today. like it. It was, a, it was a little bit different to walk into, but it, yeah, it's, it's cozy. Yeah, like it, it. it is. It's cozy. And this is yeah. going to be a little bit more conversational with just two of us, I think, as well. Um, we're, we're really placing that third mic in your hands, the, the listener, the viewer, to be able to ask those questions. Also, I want to take just a minute to thank everybody, Janet, who came out to a, a special Gen Wealth Academy workshop earlier this week. Yeah, we had an event in Conway and uh, really had a great turnout in spite of the weather. And mm. Lord knows the weather has been a topic uh, uh, recently. But we had uh, Chris Rippey joining our Conway team to talk about the things that are really important in terms of estate planning. There's a lot of things that, that people really just don't understand and have lots of questions. And uh, Scott, as we talk about the format today of our show being questions, really that's what the event in Conway turned into. They had lots of things prepared for them to discuss and it turned into a Q&A and we don't mind that at all we can set aside the topics that we had planned to discuss and go okay what's on your mind and so that's really how that played out in Conway so I want to thank everybody who joined us and uh, thank you for turning out and for participating uh, it feels really good post-COVID yeah. uh, to be able to get back out and do events like that for those of you who've been friends of, of Gen Wealth for a long time this is how we used to do things mm -hmm. regularly and so we're really excited to to see that and have such good participation. Yeah, and and a point I will point out too that that's the first of many. We have yeah. some more planned yeah. uh, in 2023. The in-person workshops are coming back uh, full throttle. If you want to check out the next uh, option to attend a Gen Wealth Academy workshop, you can always go to our website, getreadyforthefuture.com. Uh, you can also check them out by going getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash events. That's where you'll be able to find the next uh, Gen Wealth Academy workshop. I think we're doing Social Security in the very near future. All right, so as we talk about answering your questions, we'll go right to them. Here's our first one for today's uh, episode from Jerry in Cabot. And Jerry asks, I was thinking about retiring next year, but with news of a looming recession, I think putting it off is best. My question is, do I get more conservative with my investments slash go to cash, or do I potentially risk the losses I'd face in a down market? So a lot to that question. Uh, we don't know how old Jerry is, uh, but he is thinking about retiring next year, worried about a recession. And I think he taps in, Janet, to the fears of a lot of people. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree that the first thing that I'll focus on is even kind of how this, this question is framed. It's like an either or, like there's there's not mm -hmm. another option. And, and that's not a, a criticism. Jerry, you're actually thinking the way most people do on mm -hmm. this, that do I get more conservative, meaning with all of it, do I go to cash and really just slow things down? Or do I take risks with the market? And so there's a few things that we want to hit on. First of all, it doesn't have to be an either or. There's really a tremendous opportunity to find balance. Um, Scott, that's one of our general standards is we believe in balance. And we use that in a lot of different ways. But it applies for sure in reference to the answer here. Um, one of the things personally that I want to touch on is that we have seen over the years, we have seen too many people continue to work because they feared that they could not retire. There is a difference between fearing whether you can retire or not and knowing 
whether you can retire or not. And Scott, we believe that the best antidote to fear is education. Right. And so it comes down to knowing what your numbers really are. Yeah. And if you have a retirement income plan in place, what happens with the market and the economy, Jerry, should not determine when you retire. You think mm -hmm. about that. That that may not seem to really ring as logic because if we're focused on the account value. And that's what this question is kind of set up to be. The S&P 500, yeah. I mean, we don't know how Jerry's invested, but the S&P 500 was down 19% in calendar year 2022, right? There's a lot of different things to look at, right. and you've really got to look at where your portfolio is. But the key is how many people are telling you, hey, guess what? Year to date, it's up. Because it doesn't feel that way, Scott. Right. It doesn't. It, and the, the 2022 hangover is still around. And we're yeah. certainly not all the way back. And I do think people tend to measure, and I think myself included, when I'm looking at my personal uh, portfolio, I'm going to really gravitate towards where was my high water mark, right? Mm -hmm, where, where, mm -hmm. where did I have the most money? Where yeah. was the account balance the highest? And we're still off considerably, uh, if you're 100% in equities for sure, um, from that mark. But the idea that... Uh, the fear of uh, recession should keep me from retiring has multiple working components there. It's it's the investment side. And, and again, mm -hmm. we don't know how Jerry is invested, but if the account balance is the sole focus and, and we're talking about trying to recover losses and we're talking about going more conservative, are we worried about uh, the account balances only when we should be putting together a plan that solves for income. Yeah. Let, let's talk about, there are some variables here that, that we don't know. Let's talk about if, Jerry, if you are over 59 and a half, which if you're planning to retire in the next year, the probability is that you're past that. Maybe not, but you probably are. If you're over 59 and a half, you may have some options on the table that you didn't have available to you in past years that would give you the opportunity to invest differently. What we normally see is that inside of what I'm just going to loosely call a corporate retirement plan, whether it's a 401k, 403b, TIA, CREF, whatever your retirement plan is through your employer, inside of those, there's normally a relatively limited number of investment choices. And so... Scott, you can go from, you know, relatively aggressive to growth oriented, which a lot of people are just going to be pretty much growth oriented. But then the other concern that I have is that if you're in Jerry's situation and you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm stuck in my 401k as long as I'm working, but I feel like I need to go conservatively, then inside that 401k, where you're going to go is to the bond market. Right. And that feels conservative when people talk about bonds they think that that's a conservative play but we really have some concerns there as well yeah if you look at what a typical retiree enters retirement into traditionally it is an asset allocation mix of about 60 percent equities and 40 percent fixed income or the bonds that janet's talking about there and in 2022 calendar year it was the second worst year ever for a diversified 60-40 portfolio as measured by the S&P 500 mm -hmm. for the equities and the U.S. aggregate bond index for the fixed income. So there was no place to hide, right? literally, inside yeah. of your 401k unless there was a money market fund, right? I mean, right. that was really the only place to hide. So more than likely, if, Jerry, you have all of your assets still in your 401k, which most uh, Americans really do because mm -hmm. that's where you've put in through your employer all these years, 
then it is likely it has been beaten up and suffered investment losses. So the question becomes, what do you do about that? And when you think about where you've been, where you, what you've gone through from your high water mark to where you are now, the last thing you really want to do is totally get off of the elevator that mm-hmm. you've ridden down to the first floor before it starts to go back up. And when we look at some of the economic data, when we look at some of the uh, historical stock market data, there's reasons to believe that in the not-so-distant future, we will be riding that elevator back up. Take, take a listen to these numbers from LPL Research. When we've had a down year, which we had in 2022, down 19% as measured by the S&P 500, followed by a positive first quarter, which we've had, we just talked mm-hmm. about, up 6.7% in the first quarter of 2023, that's happened 10 times, a down year followed by the next quarter being up. It's happened 10 times. And in all 10 of those times, the rest of the year has been positive by an average of 15.9%. Now, that's not a guarantee that it, that's going to happen again. This may be the first, this will be the 11th time, and maybe it doesn't happen again. But history says mm-hmm. after a down year, after riding the elevator down, we are, generally speaking, going to ride it back up in the near-term future. So to answer Jerry's question about, how to change investments you don't want to get too conservative with all of your money right because you won't ride that elevator back up but it is possible that it is time to explore different asset classes because the bond market has not performed like the bond market is supposed to perform so could there be back to your 59 and a half mm-hmm. comment janet an opportunity to roll some of those funds if not all of those funds out of your employer plan and into an ira so jerry let me be very clear we're not saying that this is the option for you but if you're past 59 and a half it likely is an option that you should consider and the the way this works is past age 59 and a half if your employer plan allows which most of them do then you have the opportunity to roll over the balance that is in your account to an ira now you may have a mixture of traditional dollars and Roth dollars in there, meaning pre-tax and post-tax dollars in your account right now. If that's the case, that's okay. They move to a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA, respectively. But what that does is inside of your 401k, you have the limitations that your company has provided to you of those investment choices. And if that's sufficient, okay, fine. If it's not, then you may need during this time between right now and when you do retire, you may need other investment options available to you. And if you do that, you have the ability to roll that over. There's no taxes. It looks kind of funny on your statement, Scott. Somebody might have, let's say they've got $750,000 in their 401k. And then they get the next statement and it goes to zero, you know. (laughs) But meanwhile, that $750,000 has moved to a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA in many cases. And so you still have that money. And then you turn around on the very next paycheck and you start accumulating in your 401k again. But what that allows you to do, if this is the right fit for you, it allows you to potentially diversify those assets more. And that goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning of, of answering Jerry's question here that it doesn't have to be a do I go more conservatively or do I risk risk the losses in a down market there is the ability to really diversify that into what we refer to as buckets Mm -hmm. Scott over the different timeline of when you're going to use those dollars because many people think about their retirement 
as a stop sign, right. not a yield sign. It's like, okay, I've made it to retirement. I'm age 65, whatever it might be for you. I've made it to this point. So now I'm going to pump the brakes on my investments. Well, some of that money you're not going to need for 20 or 25 years. And so we need to still have a long-term mindset with some dollars. And some of that money is your grocery money for the first month that you're retired. So with those dollars, we need to have a short-term mindset. So we've really got to think about how do we balance this out across your the, the remaining lifetime that you have and how do we invest accordingly for the dollars that you have at that point yeah so bottom line here jerry it's not about whether it's getting more conservative all in or staying all aggressive or even just spreading it out in a diversification allocation right if you just did the 60 40 it is about building a plan it is about putting together a retirement income plan that specifies down to the dollar and that's what part of the uh, ready-to-retire process does here at GenWealth, specifying down to the dollar the amount that goes into each bucket, as Janet referred to there, uh, of your retirement income plan. In other words, you're going to have an allocation in bucket one, bucket two, bucket three, bucket four, and the farther out you go, the more growth-oriented it should be. You have to still believe in equities, even in retirement. To Janet's stop sign point, you don't. It, it's not a stop sign; it's a yield sign. There needs to be a reshuffling of the deck, maybe if you're all in equities, but you still have to have a component. And that plan, the planning process determines how much of go, goes into that growth strategy, how much goes into the moderate strategy, and how much stays conservative. And you want the powder dry on the money you're spending in the early year of retirement. If you have questions for us today, it's the new question and answer format on the Get Ready for the Future show. We want to encourage you to call or text your question to 501-381-5228. Our thanks to Jerry from Cabot for that question. Again, his question asking about thinking about retirement next year but worried about the recession worried about his investments if you have a retirement income plan in place what happens with the market and the economy should not determine when you retire so switching gears now a little bit different topic from maggie in little rock she asks or she says to us i'm 55 and recently inherited two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. i have hundred and forty thousand dollars left to pay on my mortgage I want to help pay for my grandkids' college education in the future, and I plan to retire around age 65. What do I do with my inheritance? Maggie, thanks so much for that question, and you gave us a lot of specifics, but there's a lot we don't know here, Janet. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I feel like this is one of those things where you, you remember in math class, Scott, and they'd give you problems, math problems that were maybe even multiple choice, and one of those answers was not enough information to solve. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we are on this, but we can give you yeah. we can give you some options to think about and and then develop it from there. Um, I do want to say while this was an inheritance, let me talk to to people who didn't ask this question but might be in a similar boat. Whether you have received inheritance money or life insurance money, um, this is a conversation that we have very often from both of those resources of funds that somebody is rolling along and all of a sudden here's this lump sum, Mm -hmm. now what? And I love that Maggie mentions the mortgage and the remaining balance because that is the most common first point of the discussion about what do we do about the mortgage. And 
I will say we are big, huge fans of you going into retirement without a mortgage payment, but it it is not necessarily in your best interest to pay this off at the beginning when you first receive this money. Because one of the variables, Scott, that we don't know is whether this is a pre-tax or post-tax mm-hmm. dollar amount. Um, if this is traditional IRA money, then it's got to be it's got to be taxed, and frankly, it's got to be it's got to be taxed. It's got to all be exposed to taxes within the next ten years in this inheritance type of scenario. So that's a possibility, or it might be all after-tax money, and that's a, a very different end result in what you can do with this. So the first thing that I would say is is pretty much an absolute, and that is to not pay the mortgage off in one lump some uh, because that that permanently impacts the ability that you have with this two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to do other things for you scott yeah and i think uh the the back to the uh how has it been received and inherited if it is in an ira we probably should take just a second to go mm-hmm. over the the uh, change in law there we've talked about it before on on the show and and maggie if you've worked with a financial advisor who wherever the inherited ira came from you may have already heard this but for everybody else listening in the past uh, prior to the secure act of 2020 when someone received an inherited ira uh from uh from a parent most likely they had the option of stretching those ira uh ira distributions which are called required minimum distributions over the course of their lifetime. So in other words, if uh, if your father, if Maggie's 55 here, if, if your father or mother passed away and they were the last surviving parent and they were 80 years old, they had been taking required minimum distributions. Mm-hmm. A certain percentage of the balance had to come out every year. When you inherited at age 55, you would have still had to in the past take that required minimum distribution out. It just would have been a much smaller amount. My mother-in-law passed away in 2019, and my husband is in that situation where he has, and his siblings are as well, where they all have a certain amount each year that they have to take out, but they have the ability to stretch that over their lifetimes. They can take it all sooner if they want to, but Maggie, with a recent inheritance, again, if this is traditional IRA money, then you are subject to a 10-year timeline on that. That was the change in law in 2020 in the SECURE Act, so if it was a recent uh, death, then it certainly would apply that you would have to take all of that $250,000 out of the IRA over a 10-year time period and pay the taxes on it. So every time you took a distribution over the next 10 years, if you took 50000 a year, it would be stacked on top of whatever your current employment income is or household income is. So it could be taxed at a really high level, and you would not be able to utilize all of that $250,000. However, if it was uh, the sale of a home and you got to step up in cost basis, or if it was a life insurance mm-hmm. uh, policy, that would no, not be the case and you'd be able to use every dollar of that $250,000. So the next variable for me, though, is I kind of focus in, Janet, on she's 55 and she wants to retire at age 65. So we've got a 10-year time frame to prepare a retirement income plan right and maggie if you haven't done that i would encourage you to do that because we don't know how much maggie has saved for retirement yeah so do you need to use this two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to help you catch up or to be sure that you're on track you know with our our last question coming in from jerry about being concerned about the recession uh, that everybody's talking about then maggie what situation are you in relative to your retirement preparedness do we need to utilize some of 
this. And and again, I don't want to get into an e- either we use it all for retirement or we use it all for the mortgage. I think that there is a way to flex this that my instinct, and I would want to see this on paper on purpose for your plan personalized to you, but my instinct would be to first see if there's a way to invest this and take an income stream off of this to allow you to pay extra principal payments on your house. If you took, let's say, eight to $10,000 a year of net spendable money and just put it towards the mortgage, then you're probably in a situation where we still have the majority of this original amount and you have your house paid off by the time we get, because you continue to make your regular mortgage payments, you have your house paid off by the time we get to age 65. Right. That's a what if with a lot of numbers that have to be run, but that would be our first instinct is to let's let's see what all of your other numbers look like. Like you mentioned, Scott, how much does Maggie have in retirement assets already, or is there a pension all of those things that will happen in the future, those are important to understand. Yeah, we don't know the term of the mortgage. She may already, over the, if she's going to yeah. retire over the next 10 years, be on pace to be able to pay that out anyway or right. accelerate it. But we would definitely say, as a general rule of thumb, you would want to go into retirement without a mortgage. If you can mm-hmm. go into that 65 is your retirement age, definitely plan to be debt-free across the board uh, by the time you get there. But I do like Maggie's question for this reason she's thinking about it right like mm-hmm. she's she's not saying hey can i should i use that 250 go the question she is asking a financial advisor so let's give it but <laughs> she probably understands we're not going to tell her to do that but you know there's no vacation thought there right, there's no right. casino trip there's uh-huh. no uh gift lake house yeah it's yeah. let's let's use a when you receive a lump sum that's a great mindset to have is where do, where can this help me the most? Yeah. And, and I don't think everybody thinks that way. I, I would absolutely agree. Um, I've seen many a lake house in the past, yeah. you know, from inherited money when people were not on track. And I don't have a problem with, you know, the extra house and all of those types of things, but you've got to prioritize that okay, are we going to be able to have the lake house and retire on the timeline that we want to do that? Because mm-hmm. you you don't want to get the cart before the horse on how you're planning to utilize these assets. And the, the other thing I would say, though, to kind of balance this out is to to utilize a portion of it for something fun or something that yeah. honors, you know, whether it was your mom or your dad, wherever you received this money, something that honors them. Uh, mm-hmm. That is something that uh, a lot of financial advisors don't talk about is the emotional aspect of dealing with a parent's money. Um, but that is it is something that we want you to think about. If there is a charitable contribution that, that you think would have meant a lot to your parents, that type of thing, there's an opportunity there. But all of this really circles back to the need to get a plan on paper on purpose that addresses all of these variables that Scott you and I just don't have enough information to to really know what the best answer is for Maggie in this it's the new format of the get ready for the future show we're taking your questions for the entire show you can call or text them to us at 501-381-5228 to hear your questions answered on the air again the number is 501-381- Five two two eight. We've got time for one more question, and this is from Trey, and he is in Bryant, and he says, "I'm in sales, and my income isn't consistent month to month. I'm not investing regularly because I want to be sure my immediate needs are covered. 
But there is there a way I can do both on irregular income? Great question from Trey and Bryant. We know a lot of people out there do have those type of jobs where there's a variable compensation component to it, and your baseline is hard to really find yeah. because you don't know consistently what you're going to be receiving on a month-to-month. So, Janet, let's kind of walk through how Trey can think about this. So, I think you said the key word that I'm going to focus on first, and that is baseline. I think it's important to pull maybe the information that you have from your pay cycles last year, however often you get paid. If it's 12 times a year, 24, 26, whatever it is, pull those and look at what is the lowest check that you had last year. And if you're 100% commission or if you're a salary plus variable comp, you've got to figure out what is the lowest amount that you believe you can reasonably count on. And then the next question is, can you budget, and I don't mean the fun stuff, but can you budget your food, shelter, clothing, and transportation off of that lowest amount? And then if you can, then you get to take whatever variable compensation amount is coming in, and that's where we do these additional things, and that that includes things like investing. So you may not be able to invest, you know, let's say five hundred dollars a month into an IRA, and know that you can do it every month, but maybe some months you get two thousand dollars above and beyond what you need, and so that covers your investment for the next four months. Mm-hmm. And Scott, we have the ability to set up something that that we call distribution. Well, I said distribution, but you can you can distribute or you can invest yes. on demand. Um, so in this case, we're looking at investing. So we have on demand contributions that would go into the account. And what that means is instead of saying every month on the 15th, I'm going to put in $500, you can go, okay, I want to contribute $700 this month. I mm-hmm. want to contribute $200 this month. However, that works out for you. Um, there are also people who will stack that excess, you know, the variable comp, they'll stack that up and then contribute once a year. And then we'll dollar cost average it into the account many times. So uh, there's lots of different ways that we can approach this. Yeah. And I think the, the, the key point here for me is don't get in the habit of, of, of slinging your investments from the leftover pile right? You you want to, it's going to take a little work to create, as Janet talked about that baseline, figure out what your uh, budget is, figure Mm -hmm. out what you need to live on so that you can do it on the front end. Because I do believe this big component to a a successful investment strategy is putting it on autopilot. Yes. Treating it like it is an expense, like it is a payment on a house, right? It's just going out. I think of my son who is a uh, moving into an apartment and he's only 22 years old this is the first time he's living on his own but he had to start figuring out his income and balance that against the expenses of right. paying for an apartment and he was going over it with me he said well i got this streaming service i got my rent i got to pay the utilities i got my car i got the 200 a month going into the roth ira i mean it was all the same thing mm-hmm. to him it mm-hmm. was an expense he was paying himself first so you have to be able to figure out a way to do that. And then I guess the other variables for me for Trey here is, is do you have an employer plan? Are you What are you doing there? Right. Uh, because that needs to be weighed into uh, the planning process, right? So we, we need to know what you're contributing uh, in other places. Uh, and then we need to know what do you want to invest for? If you want to invest regularly, what is the purpose of it? You know, nine times out of 10, it's going to be for retirement. You're trying to build a long-term investment plan so you have assets to live on as income in retirement. So if that's the case, again, it comes back to the plan, right, Janet? You have to put all of those 
factors in on what am I contributing already? Where am I trying to go? How much do I want when I get there? And how much more do I need to contribute on a regular basis to do it? Well, and you mentioned the employer plan. I, I want to be very clear that, uh, Trey, if you do have an employer plan, that that is your first stop yep. on your retirement contributions, assuming that they have a match of some type, which most of them do. So if there's a match, the reason you want to do that is that that is automatically free money. If you think about it, even if it's 50 cents on the dollar, and most of the matches are actually dollar for dollar, but even if it's 50 cents on the dollar, you've automatically, before the money's even invested, made a 50% return because you put a dollar in and they put 50 cents in. So you do want to be sure that you take advantage of that personally first. And then beyond that, I think it goes back to what we've talked about, about determine what the the lowest level of income is that you've had in the past and whether or not you can make things work on your day in, day out budget on that level. And if you can, this is excess. Our thanks to Jerry from Cabot, Maggie from Little Rock, and Trey from Bryant for your questions today. As you heard the uh, final bell, it's time for our final thoughts as we begin our new uh, throwback Get Ready for the Future show. That's right. We're going back to the question and answer (laughs) format. And if you have a question, you can call or text them to us at 501-381-5228. Janet, time for your final thoughts. We're going to go for like a bonus round question. This is not really a question we got from our listeners this time, but it's one you should be asking if you are renting and you live in central Arkansas in tornado season. Um, do you have renter's insurance? Let me be clear. We don't do that. It's not a product that we provide, but we're trying to help you get ready for your future financially. And one of the ways that you get ready for the future is to not step backwards. So if you lose everything in a storm and you're renting, then the items that are inside of that house are not covered by the homeowner's policy that your landlord owns. They are they should be covered by a renter's policy that you have. So if that's not something you've done, if you're renting, please check into it. Protect yourself. My final thought goes back to what we talked about with Jerry's question. He was concerned about uh, retiring in the near term because of what's happened in the stock market and fears of a recession. If that's you, If you have a retirement income plan in place, what happens with the market, what happens with the economy should not determine your decision about when you retire. So the question is, do you have one? Do you have a retirement income plan? And if not, reach out to a GenWealth advisor to begin the process of building one. 866-653-PLAN is our toll-free number. 866-653-PLAN. And as always, there are free financial resources and tools just a click away at getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash academy. Thanks for watching and listening on today's Get Ready for the Future show. That's all the time we have for our new format. It's questions and answers every week. Get them to us at 501-381-5228. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, share the podcast with your friends and family. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. 
That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial. 